I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 26. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what I call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. You can look it up. In Romans 12, 2, Paul writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's why I think we all need a steady intake of thoughts from above. I know I do. If we fill our minds with thoughts from above, our destiny will be a life of faith, hope, and love. Today's thought from above is this. God's love is greater than our sins. Recently, I was meditating on a passage from the book of Isaiah, specifically chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. And it's a really moving passage, uh, but I've edited it down to just verses 1, 4, 5, and 7. And I do this to focus on, on the key points of this little passage. Let me read it for you now. Again, Isaiah 43. But now, says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I want to point out a few things that stand out to me in this passage. The first is the phrase, do not fear, is spoken twice in verses 1 and 7. So the passage literally does begin and end with that powerful command, do not fear. This naturally leads to the question, well, why would they be afraid? Because anytime someone says, do not blank, you know, we can be sure that this person is doing that or is thinking about doing that or is going to do that. In this case, God is the person speaking through Isaiah to the people of Israel. So God is saying to the people, do not be afraid, beginning and end. Now, that begs the question, why would they be afraid? To answer that, you need to know the context, the situation Israel was in at the time. They were in exile, meaning they were in a period of captivity. And their sins and their failures had mounted, and they assumed God has put us in this place, this captivity, and he's going to punish us. They assumed God was angry with them, that God no longer loved them. Now, that's a really common narrative most people have concerning God. The assumption is that God's going to punish us for our many sins. And that notion is the most pervasive false narrative concerning God I have seen. Now, I can personally witness to the damage done in my own soul by that narrative, and because of the work I do with many people about their God views, I've seen firsthand how destructive that is for many, many, many Christians. But let's stay with the passage in Isaiah 43. To repeat, they'd been unfaithful to God, and they assumed God would punish them. But they were wrong. What this passage tells us is this. It's our thought from above. God's love is greater than our sins and our failures. Let's look a little closer at Isaiah 43. I mean, remember, God is speaking to the people through Isaiah. 
So what we read is actually God speaking, not Isaiah. So when you hear this now, remember, this is God talking. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Now that begs the question, why would God begin his response to the people this way? I think it's because God is reminding them of this important truth, this thought from above. Remember, I created you. Remember, I formed you. Now, as a parent, I can relate to this. Now, I didn't make my children. I didn't form them, at least directly. But my children are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And in that sense, I and my wife did make them. And that's a part of my unconditional love for my children. I see myself in both Jacob and Hope. Put simply, I cannot not love them. Sorry for the double negative. But what I mean is, there's nothing they can do to alter my love for them. So we start with that. Remember, I formed you. I made you. And then God follows up with this. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do not fear, God tells his people. He knows they're afraid. But he tells them not to fear. Why? Because of what God has done. I have redeemed you, God says. In other words, God has acted for their good. They ran from God, but God ran after them. And he reminds them that he's called them by name. Think about this just for a moment. God has formed you. God has redeemed you. And God has called you by name. Wow. You know I was going to say wow at some point in this podcast. And you are God's. You belong to God. But wait, there's more. I know I sound like an infomercial, sorry, but there really is more in this passage. Verse 4, because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. Did you catch that? You're precious and honored and I love you. Try that one on. In fact, insert your name in that verse. I'll do it using mine. I, Jim, am precious in God's sight. I, Jim, am honored and God loves me. Too good to be true? Well, remember what Greg Boyd said in episode 25, whatever we understand about God, it's going to be bigger and better than we can imagine. Finally, verse 5, Isaiah 43, do not fear, I am with you. So there it is again, one more time, do not fear. Why? This time, God says, I'm with you. God is with us. So let's recap. The people of Israel had willingly disobeyed God. They assumed God was going to punish them. Instead, God tells them these things. I made you. I formed you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my sight. You are honored. I love you. And finally, I am with you. So the thought from above is clear. God's love is greater than our sin. Now that's because God's love isn't based on our sin or lack thereof. It's based on God's unwavering, unconditional love for us. We didn't earn this love and therefore we cannot lose it. Jesus demonstrated in several different situations this idea that love is greater than our sin. He invited Matthew, a tax collector, to become his disciple. 
He didn't ask him to go to Hebrew reform school to fix him, right? He just said, follow me now as you are. Second illustration, Jesus offered living water to a Samaritan woman who was literally living in sin. Again, he didn't tell her, hey, you need to first go to a support group and clean your your act and do something to get better. No, he offered this living water to her then. No stipulations. I could offer you dozens more, but I think I've made the point with just those two. God's love is greater than our sin. When I was a young preacher, I heard it said that you haven't really preached the gospel until your hearers react with a shock. So I imagine I've probably shocked somebody out there listening to this, and that's good. It means I've preached the gospel. For the Apostle Paul, he knew he had successfully preached the gospel when his hearers asked the question, shall we continue in sin so that grace will abound? Is that what you're saying, Paul? And that's exactly what Paul heard in response to the gospel, which is why he had to write Romans 6. It was in response to that question. Because when you hear this, well, wait, God's love is greater than our sins, then I can just sin? No, no, no. I want to answer that question by stating two caveats. One, sin does matter to God. Now, you might think from what I've said that sin doesn't matter. I mean, God's up there in the heavens going... Oh, gee, you kids, there's nothing wrong with sin. Just have fun out there. No, sin matters to God because we matter to God. Sin, by its nature, is destructive to us because sin hurts us. God hates it. But don't confuse that with God's love. Sin does not change God's love toward us. But sin does separate us from God, and we were not designed for sin. Two, God's unconditional love does not give us a license to sin. Sin is and always will be deadly and enslaving. That's why Paul argues in Romans 6 that we should not continue in sin because it is not who we are. We died and rose with Christ. We're all new creatures. And sin, by its nature, enslaves us. To continue in sin is to reject who I am. But even still, God's love is greater than our sin. Thus far, I've thanked my podcast team, but not mentioned them by name, and I think it's time I do. So the person who puts the most work in for this podcast is Jacob Smith. Jacob is a part of the planning team, as well as the sound engineer, web and graphic designer, and does all the social media. It's also cool because he's my son, which is awesome. I love working with him. Jacob makes this podcast what it is. Second, John Carroll. John is the director of operations at the Apprentice Institute and he serves as the overall producer of the podcast. So we rely on John to take care of all the logistics and all the planning, and he does a great job. And finally, Chantel Shirky is an editor. She listens and helps edit all the podcasts. She does a great job of politely pointing out my errors. It's a great team to work with, and we love doing this podcast. So thanks for all the great feedback you give us. We love hearing how this podcast is encouraging to you. It's a blessing to us. I hope you'll join me next week for episode 27. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, hey, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, 
things above.